Coming up on Honey on My Lips. Now, even in working with God, when you come for meetings, you think there's nothing new to learn. I always say to God, let me always remain as a normal Christian. If the church needs prayer meeting, I also need prayer meeting. If the church needs Bible study Tuesday service, I also need Tuesday service. But not that now you have reached somewhere and said, I don't go for those small, small meetings. I go for meetings where there is the move of God. Really? Honey on my lips. The psalmist said in Psalm 19 verse 10 about the word of God that it is sweeter than honey. Join Lady Reverend Adelaide Hayward Mills. Life has a way of dishing out to us things that we did not expect. Sometimes it's a dream that seems to be delayed. Many times you see a man, you know, he has a good job, he's a cool dude, his suit is smart, and you think when I marry him, everything will be together. The unexpected is unexpected from our perspective, but from God's perspective, it is not unexpected. On Sweet Melodies 94.3, as she puts the honey of God's word on your lips, equipping you for all facets of life this and every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Honey on my lips will change your life, preach good news to the poor, set the captives free, heal the brokenhearted, bring recovery of sight to the blind, and proclaim God's year of Jubilee. Honey on my lips. Mmm. Saturdays at 9 a.m. on Sweet Melodies. Blessed by God as you tune in to Lady Reverend Adelaide Pewart Mills. Amen. Your conference is called the Spiritual Women's Conference. And in order to be spiritual, we need to overcome pride. Amen. Now, pride is so subtle, or it's not something that you easily recognize because it's within. And sometimes, because of that, what we human beings define as pride may not be pride. Amen. Sometimes, when people express themselves well or they speak good English, then people say they are proud. But it's just because she speaks good English or he speaks good English and intimidates you. It doesn't mean it's pride. Amen. Sometimes people are tall and they look like they can tower over everybody. So when people see them coming, they say, oh, you are proud. Sometimes people are just confident. It is not all confidence that is bad. The Bible says the Lord shall be my confidence. So sometimes you are confident and you are confident in the Lord. And then they say, oh, look at how she even comes in. As if she owns the room. She's proud. But this evening we will look at what God sees. And we have to see pride from God's perspective and not our perspective. Sometimes you went to Wesley Girls and they say you are proud. Amen, somebody. (laughs) But 
Pride is God's definition. So then the Bible says in James chapter 4 verse 6 that he giveth more grace to the humble. He giveth more grace to the humble. And then it says, God resists the proud, but God gives grace, but he gives grace to the humble. Amen. Therefore, when we are proud, we have made ourselves opposition members to God. And when God resists you, who can help you? Because what we know is, if God be for us, who can be against us? So the one who is for you, if he is against you, then you have nothing to stand on. Amen? And that is why pride is a very deadly thing. Numbers chapter 12, reading from verse 1 and 2. And Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married. For he had married an Ethiopian woman. Verse 2. And they said, Hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Hath he not spoken also by us? And the Lord heard it. Verse 3. Now the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. And the Lord spake suddenly unto Moses and unto Aaron and unto Miriam, Come out, ye three, unto the tabernacle of the congregation. And they three came out. Amen. I mean, Moses, for instance, is an example of man saying and thinking and seeing you as proud when in actual fact you are not. They said that Moses had married an Ethiopian woman, but it looks like that was not the real reason why they were criticizing him. That one was just spiritual camouflage, which we Christians are very good at. We use something to sprinkle, and then the real reason is under. The real reason was, has God spoken only by Moses? Has he not spoken by us also? And pride leads to a lot of division and infighting in the church. Sometimes we want to work for God, not because we love him, but because we love the post and we love to be seen by men. And God will always take you through something that will prune you so that your motive and your reason will become genuine. Amen. So this equalization was going on in the hearts and minds of Miriam and Aaron. They said that is Moses the only chosen man by God? You see, we are all anointed though. It's just that Moses is too known. So has God not spoken by us also? God may have spoken by you also, but God chooses different vessels for different purposes. And the Bible says God has called us according to his purpose and his grace. So certain things, he hasn't given you the grace for. And you are forcing to go to that place. And what is the main motive? The main motive is you also want to be a big man and a big woman. And we lose sight of what God is doing. And the Bible says now the man Moses was the meekest. Or the, he was a meek man, not only where he was on all the face of the earth. And yet, other people were saying that he thinks he's big. He thinks he's the only anointed one. 
He thinks the only one God has called. He is not thinking. It's God who is thinking. Amen. So when you look at pride from man's perspective, you may judge wrongly. And you may say things are pride when they are not pride. Somebody looks smart. You say, eh, look at how she walks. How she walks. She thinks she's Miss Ghana. She has not said, you think for her. And that is why the Bible says, we should humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord. So it's in God's sight that it really matters. When you look at David, he was also accused falsely of being proud. Amen. First Samuel 17, 27 to 29. And the people answered him after this manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that killeth him. And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart. For thou art come down, that thou mightest see the battle. And David said, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? Amen. Even David's brother said that the reason why you have come here is because of your pride. Meanwhile, he was just there. His father called him and said, let me send you to your brothers. Take some cheese, take this, and see how they are doing. He never set out on the journey on his own. But as soon as he started to ask, oh, so what will be done for the man who conquers Goliath or fights? And he's asking everybody. The brother turns and says, I know you. You are you have come here because of your pride. So in the sight of man, man's judgment is different. So what really matters is in the sight of God. Amen? And I like Moses for that because when they spoke like that and God said, come out, Miriam was struck with leprosy. And the Bible says that Moses said, heal her, O Lord. Many of us would have said, you see now that I'm anointed, you see now that I have power. You see now that you should not touch the anointed of the Lord. Let the leprosy linger a bit, Lord, so that she learns her lesson. But the man Moses was meek on the face of this earth. And if we want to overcome pride, what happens? The Bible says that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Now, many of us, I believe, run out of grace because of pride. And when you run out of grace, what does it mean? It means that even in time of need, you can't find grace. Hebrews 4.16, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of what? Grace. That what? We may find mercy and what? Grace. To help us in our time of need. Now, you go to the time of need, you don't have any grace. Why? Because God resists the proud. And he gives grace only to the humble. Some of us too, we say, I'm the humblest woman on the face of this earth. But inside, when we are coming, we can't even go through the door. Because we are so proud. But the spiritual woman overcomes pride and moves on with God in humility. 
so that she can attract the grace of God. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 10, I am what I am by the grace of God. He said, I labored more effectively than all the apostles, yet not I, but the grace of God. So if you walk in pride and the grace of God oozes out of your life, then you can't even labor effectively. So it is something that we must guard against because the grace of God is very important in our lives. For by grace are you saved. Amen. And not through works. It is the gift of God. So pride brings a leakage in our lives and the grace of God just leaks out of our lives. But I pray that tonight, as spiritual women, as spiritual people, we will humble ourselves. Amen. Now sometimes... God uses some agents of humility because if he doesn't, we will be exalted above measure. Amen? The Bible doesn't say that you should not be exalted. The Bible doesn't say that um, good things should not be said about you, but you can be exalted above measure. 2 Corinthians 12 2 Corinthians 12, 7 to 9. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Amen. Paul says that through the abundance of revelation, you can be exalted above measure. Amen? So when God uses you a lot... You are a prime candidate for pride. Amen? And as Bishop says, there's something called idiopathic pride. The pride that doesn't have a reason. Some people are very proud. It doesn't have a reason. You say, oh, you are proud. Okay. Pride is not good, but is it because you are very well educated? No. Is it because you come from the royal family? No. Is it because you've been Miss Ghana before? No. So when we look, we don't have the reason. But there are people also like that. Pride without reason. Amen? Amen. But Paul said, lest I be exalted above measure due to the abundance of the revelations that were given to me, God sent me a messenger of Satan to buffet me. Amen. This is how lethal pride looks to God. And sometimes he uses these agents to bring us to a humble place. Amen? Amen. I was in London and there was um, a white taxi driver. He was talking to me and he said, oh, he wants to move out of the area where he is and go outside London. I think to Yorkshire or so. And he said, but... Now, before I do anything, I have to know whether it's I'm in God's will. I was surprised because you don't hear that much in Europe. 
And I said, oh, yes, it's very important to be in God's will. Then he said, well, I didn't know that 18 months ago, but I lost my wife. I went through a very painful divorce, and then I picked up a Cameroonian, and that Cameroonian was a pastor, and he led me to Christ, and now I've found new life in Christ. But I'm ashamed to tell you that it was because of what I was going through. And then I said, well, God uses all these things to bring us to that place. So with Paul, God sent a messenger of Satan. He describes us as a thorn in the flesh to buffet me. To buffet means to give slaps, to give blows. Amen. Why? Because God knew that if pride was in Paul, it would lead to his destruction. Because the Bible says pride goeth before a fall. Amen? So because of that, God sent him so many things. He sent him necessities. He sent him reproach. He sent him so many negative things. But these were all agents of humility. Amen? Some of us will not be sitting in this charismatic church if we hadn't had a problem before. Some of us would have been sticking our nose up and saying, I don't go to a church that I'm older than, you know. I don't, whatever, but God sent a messenger of Satan. And it was all a blessing in disguise to bring you to that place. Amen. Some people say, I don't go to a church that I'm older than. But you go to a gynecologist, you are older than. And he tells you to remove your clothes, you obey. You go to a pharmacist, you are older than. You go to a restaurant owner, you are older than. But when it comes to church, then your pride comes. Amen. Some of us, we are very obedient at our workplaces. When they say that standard chartered, the colors are blue and green, you don't quarrel about that. That, you know, I'm not really a green fan and, you know, I don't really think green and this thing. But when you come to church and they say the choir is wearing this, you have an opinion. Because in the church, there's a lot of pride. And you don't even see it as pride. Amen. But a spiritual woman, a spiritual person overcomes pride. Because pride goes before a fall. Amen. Now the Bible says that in 1 Corinthians 10, 6, that these things were written for our example upon whom the end of the age has come. So there are certain examples in Scripture to help us in our walk with God. I'm very, um, I'm very, should I say cautious, about judging the people in the Bible. Because I feel that if they hadn't made that mistake, I probably would have made that mistake and would have been in the Bible. For instance, when I look at Vashti, I understand her perfectly. The man is drunk drunk. And then he is calling me that I should come for fashion parade in front of his friends. It wouldn't even be out of pride. But I would say, oh, he's drunk. He doesn't even know what he's saying. After all, drunk at their testimony is not taken. That's why, by the way, I feel for the Supreme Court nominee. At 16, he was drunk. And at 53, the case is brought. Why don't we ladies bring it when the person is around? But when the person is going high, then we bring it. Anyway, the Lord forgive us. But when I look at Esther, I say, ah, Vashti, 
I don't think that it's pride. I am doing something useful. You are drunk. Where is Ashley? God, I should come in this play here. When I hear, I say, oh, what is Ahazio still doing? Yeah? I can't go. I mean, he's not serious. He doesn't mean it. But Vashti made that mistake so that I can learn from her and not make that mistake. So then when they say, hey, Vashti was proud, she was, it may be true. But when I mirror myself in Vashti's shoes, I say, ah, I may have come to the same conclusion. Thank God for Vashti as a guinea pig so that I will be delivered. Amen. Now, these things were written for us so that we can look at other people's lives and flee from it. Amen. Proverbs 22, 3. A prudent man foresees the evil and hides himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. So if you want to be wise, you want to be prudent, you have to foresee evil and then you keep yourself. Amen. I want to talk about an aspect of pride that is being puffed up being puffed up. Now, what does it mean to be puffed up? I think Bishop Dag has explained because of you, we have gone to the dictionary and the thesaurus so that you will see. <laughs> to be puffed up is to be swollen. To be puffed up is to think you are very important. To be puffed up is to be arrogant. To be puffed up is to be pompous. To be puffed up is to be full of yourself. To be puffed up is to be high and mighty. To be puffed up is to be haughty and conceited. To be puffed up is to be boastful. To be puffed up is to feel superior. To be puffed up is to be snobbish. To be puffed up is to be swollen with pride. This puffing up speaks of a spiritual condition. This deadly spiritual state mimics the equally dangerous physical condition of your body being swollen. When the physical body is swollen, you usually have some dangerous illness like kidney disease, liver disease, or even a heart condition. A person with a swollen face, swollen abdomen, and swollen feet is usually ill. Such a person may even be near to death, and all measures are taken medically to reduce the swelling because the swelling is a great symptom of danger. This is what it is like to be puffed up spiritually. Amen. When you are spiritually, it means that help us. So, I just want us to look at some verses about being puffed up. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, 18 to 19. Now, some are puffed up as though I will not come to you, but I will come to you shortly, if the Lord will, and will know not the speech of them which are puffed up, but the power. Then Paul comes to say in 1 Corinthians 5, verse 1 and 2, it is reported commonly that there is fornication among you, and such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles, that one should have his father's wife, and ye are puffed up, and have not rather mourned that he that had done this deed might be taken away from among you. Amen. Paul is saying to the Corinthian church, it is reported commonly that there is fornication among you. 
and the extent of the fornication is such that it should not be even mentioned among unbelievers. Now sometimes people say, oh how? How can a Christian fall more than an unbeliever? How can a Christian go deeper than an unbeliever? But 2 Peter 2.20 says that, for if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome, the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. Amen. If you've known God, you've worked with God, and then you allow yourself to go into pollution very deep again, the Bible says that your latter end is worse than even when you, before you got born again. Amen. And Paul is telling the Corinthians, it is reported commonly that there's fornication among, and such fornication that even among Gentiles, you, you have a, a, an Olympic record. That a man has taken his father's wife. And after doing that, you are puffed up. You are puffed up about that, con that uh, condition. That is how the body of Christ is now. We don't fear God. Sin has become first nature or second nature. Sometimes I, I have a, a few um, reservations when people come and give their testimony, say, <laughs> I've slept with 45 men. <laughs> hey. The publican, God said, the Bible says, when he came, he beat his breast. He would not as much as lift his head. And he said, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. But now it's not like that. It's like sin is entertainment, Netflix, something. It doesn't hold anything. And we are puffed up about it. Paul said that we should rather mourn that such a thing will be taken away from us. But we don't mourn. We, 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 we take it so lightly. And the basis of it is being puffed up. It's pride. We are not humble. And there's no fear of God in the church. Amen. Amen. The fear of God is a sign of humility. Proverbs 22, verse 4, By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. Amen. Amen. By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. And that is what we don't have. Now, who is the best example of humility in our lives? John 6, verse 38. This is Jesus talking. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Amen. Amen. In the body of Christ now, we do our own will. We marry in our own way. Lately, I've had to counsel people. Not necessarily always from our church, but they've married 16 months. This lady heaven. This marriage me, I can't again. Oh, I'm leaving. I said, hey, you have come. Are you a Christian? Yes. Are you born again? Yes. Can you show me the verse you are walking with? Because the Bible says, thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So if you show me what you are working Lady Reverend, for seven months now, I have endured this. I'm tired. I'm off. Jesus said, I came not to do my own will 
by the will of him who sent me. It takes humility to humble yourself to God's word. It takes humility to be led by your will and how you feel. Amen. One couple, a very young couple, when I saw their wedding pictures, like even before the wedding, hey, very romantic, walking in some garden. These days, it's at another level. Walking at some garden. After 16 months, you say you are going where? And it pains me because I spent two hours talking to them. And I said to them, your issues are not even issues. Your issues, from what I know and what I see, your issues are not issues. I have a lot of hope for you. You'll be okay. As soon as they got down the stairs, the man said, ah, uh, you think that because mommy spoke, I've heard, eh? I've not heard. I'm leaving you and I'm still leaving you. That's it. I came down to do not my will, but the will of him that sent me. That thing is missing in the body of Christ. It takes a humbling ourselves to God's word. And Jesus is the best example. Amen. We have become like the world. If you feel like removing your skirt, you remove your skirt. And then when I say, oh, but God's word is, hey, God's word here is very hard. Were your exams easy? Was having a baby easy? Nothing is easy in this life. But we want easy life. It's a lady reverend. It's not easy. Oh, did he say it will be easy? He said, they that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. It is part of your calling. So you are in marriage. You see some storms. The late reverend, I'm out. You get down so fast. Especially the young generation. There's no fear. I came down not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. There's nothing like that in your life. I always say there's no referee in your life. When the referee blows the whistle at the World Cup, you, you say that the match is not over, you will play. <laughs> when God says, love your enemies, so the way I hate it, the way I hate it, I cannot, I cannot forgive it. It's not how you feel. It's what God's word says. Do you think that it was easy for Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane? It wasn't easy. Do you think it's easy to sit where I sit? Do you think it's easy to be a pastor's wife and look at all your misbehavior as if I'm just watching television? <laughs> and as if it's not real in my life? It's not easy. There are times when I also don't feel like forgiving you. Amen? But I came to do the will of him that sent me, and not my own will. Amen. Some of you, you have quarreled with everybody in the church because you are doing your own will. You have quarreled with everybody. That's how you feel. And for you, the whole world is against you. And when we ask you, you give us 52 reasons why. And you have me, I've decided not to talk to anybody, not to do anything anymore. Hey. But real Christianity and walking with God is to say, not my will, but yours be done. <laughs> Amen. I always give this example that when I had to come to full-time ministry, I kept praying and telling God, God, you are not my problem. My problem is the people. 
And God said, what do you really mean? I said, God, hitherto, I have always had, by the grace of God, clothes, shoes I've had by the grace of God. My parents always provided for me. My parents took me, I traveled, so then now I said, now I'm coming full time. They'll say, my shoes are first offering, my dress is fundraising, <laughs> my, my, my hair is uh, uh, pledges, you know? How can that be? So I said, God, you see, I want to obey you, but my problem is the people, not you. That's for you, God, you are perfect, but the people. God said to me, you are proud. I said, me? Everybody in Lighthouse knows how humble I am. How can you say? And God said, pride is when you say, I don't want them to say this. I don't want your will, how you feel. It is not that it's not natural, but the natural must give way to the supernatural for you to become a spiritual woman. Amen. Then I came full time. They said, there's no office for me. When I asked my husband, I said, there's no space, there's no space, there's no office. Hey, I came from an air-conditioned office, so in case you don't know. And the school, I've been to some. In fact, my messenger who used to even go and buy my lunch is older than me. I will call him, Mr. This, you come, madam, yes. Now when I came to Lighthouse, no messenger. They are telling me they don't have an office. And I said, God, this is not you. These people, eh, I must resign. <laughs> and when I resign, I am going to look for a job that they will see that, you know, I'm not small. <laughs> what job would that be? To be a judge. And I could imagine Mr. Psaki and all these people when they come. They will, they will be like, bang, bang, her ladyship at Lady Ward Mills presiding. Then the court clerk will shout, court rise! And I come, then I'll sit behind my desk and I'll, then all the lawyers will bow and they will sit down. Then they'll call the case, Republic against. Then I won't even open my mouth properly. So, what case? Is it a part head or? As I have come here, they are behaving as if even school I have not been to. So I went to my closet. And I said, God, even office, they say there's no office. You know, they are not putting value on me. The way they behave, Lord, I don't like it all. And then the Lord said to me, have you seen anybody I've called who has not been through the wilderness before? I said, wilderness, really? He said, yes. My son Jesus went through the wilderness. Abraham walked through the wilderness. Uh, Joseph walked through the wilderness. It is part of your calling. And one significant thing God asked me is, who called you? I was crying, you, 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 you called me. So yeah, so if I called you, then walk with me. And whatever it entails, whatever humbling situation it entails, just walk with me. And in walking with me, also have a good attitude. You see, some of us will say, okay, I've forgiven them, but later I can't forget but God said, have a good attitude. And that gave rise to a, a lot of my sermons. They are roads that I've walked on. So I have a sermon, surviving your wilderness. Some of you say, it's such a powerful teaching. Look, it was birthed in tears. And then I said, that was not enough. I came the next week. 
I said, they are hammering, they are doing this. I said, what's happening here? So Bishop Big Daddy is coming full time, so we are making room. Oh, so they could make room. It was possible. I said, this is unfairness. But the Lord had already healed my heart. And I knew that it was God who had called me. And I believe that that personal conviction has kept me going. Amen. Amen. I came not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And even later, when I was thinking about it, I realized that my husband himself didn't even also have an office. He used to meet on the stage. But you see, when you are thinking, Satan will not point all that to you. He will point other things to you. Say, no, these people, even when the church started, where were they? Me. I came when the church had only five members. And now look. I came not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. Working with God can be difficult sometimes. But if you will humble yourself to his word, God will come through for you. And God will always show you that he is faithful. Amen. It says in Philippians 2.8 about Jesus, And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. It takes humility to obey. He humbled himself and became obedient. That is what we don't have in the church. You are not obedient. Once I went to visit somebody, my sheep, and then there was noise. She had a one room, but like a compound house. So I said, oh, close the door so that I can speak to you. Shut the noise out. When she closed the door, I saw hey, a man's shirt, trousers. So I asked her, I said, ah, I thought you lived alone. She said, oh, those are my clothes. Hey. <laughs> what, you see? You can fool me. But the Bible says, all things are naked unto him with whom we have to do. Amen. He humbled himself and became obedient. In marriage, you have to humble yourself. In ministry, you have to humble yourself. At work, you have to humble yourself. But that is what we don't have. They said that nowadays, women enter marriage with their two right hands. The rights. The rights. They have rights. I am not saying that you should be maltreated. I'm not saying you should be abused. But you humble yourself to obey God. Amen. Amen. I once counseled a pastor. His wife had not cooked for him for three months. Old. And he too, he didn't know how to cook. So if he came home late, he had been eating groundnuts throughout. Crying, eating groundnuts and drinking water. Sometimes you see some guys, they feel that they can treat their wives anyhow. The Bible says, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the weaker vessel so that your prayers will not be hindered. Maybe your prayer for financial breakthrough because you don't treat your wife well. It's not coming. Your prayer for healing is not coming. And you say, check the word. Became obedient. He humbled himself. It takes humility to obey God's word. Amen, somebody? It takes humility to say, Enka, I give up. It doesn't matter. It will pass. It takes humility to believe that all the bad things, God will take them and work them out for your good. It takes humility. Amen, somebody? 
So we've looked at Jesus. My last example is Saul. And then we'll be done. Now in 1 Samuel 9, 21 to 23, Samuel tells Saul that God has chosen him to lead his people as king, the first king of Israel. And Saul answered and said, Am not I a Benjamite of the smallest of the tribes of Israel, and my family the least of all the families of the tribe of Benjamin? Wherefore then speakest thou so to me? And Samuel took Saul and his servant and brought them into the parlor and made them sit in the chief place among them that were bidden, which were about 30 persons. And Samuel said unto the cook, Bring the portion which I gave thee, of which I said unto thee, Set it by thee. Amen? Amen. Chapter 10, verse 1. Then Samuel took a vial of oil and poured it upon his head and kissed him and said, Is it not because... The Lord has anointed thee to be captain over his inheritance. Amen. When Saul was told, God has chosen you to lead his people, the first thing he said was, I'm not I a Benjaminite. By that time, the tribe of Benjamin had become the smallest tribe in Israel. And he's saying that in, I, I'm being chosen from the smallest tribe. And not only that, Within the tribe, my family is the least of all the families of the tribe of Benjamin. Why then do you speak like this to me? And Samuel took him, put him in a chief place, gave him a worthy portion. Thirty people invited, exalted him. This was Saul. This was Saul. And then, after this private interview, Samuel then calls all the tribes of Israel. First Samuel 10, reading from verse 20. And when Samuel had caused all the tribes of Israel to come near, the tribe of Benjamin was taken. When he had caused the tribe of Benjamin to come near by their families, the family of Matri was taken, and Saul the son of Kish was taken. And when they sought him, he could not be found. Therefore they inquired of the Lord further, if the man should yet come thither. And the Lord answered, Behold, he hath hid himself among the staff. And they ran and fetched him thence. And when he stood among the people, he was higher than any of the people from his shoulders and upward. And Samuel said to all the people, See ye him whom the Lord has chosen, that there is none like him among all the people. And all the people shouted and said, God save the king. Amen. Even after Samuel had promoted him, told him that it doesn't matter, you are, when he came to be introduced to the tribe of Israel, they couldn't find him. Samuel, first of all, took the Benjamin tribe, then he took the families, then he took the family of Matri, then he took Saul, and when they were looking for him, they couldn't find him because he felt so unworthy. He was so humble. He said, no, it can't be me. I don't have any powerful background. I don't have any qualities that it takes. Why? Why has God even remembered me? And he went to hide. And he took a word of knowledge to show them where he was. And then they went and they fetched him and they brought him. That was Saul. He was humble at the beginning. He didn't feel worthy. And when God promoted him, he was even hiding from it. 
Some of us start like that in our walk with God. When we come to the church, we are very humble. But when it gets somewhere, we seem to think that certain things are entitlements. And we lose out on what God is doing. This is exactly what happened to Saul. Amen. 1 Samuel 15.10 Then came the word of the Lord unto Samuel, saying, It repenteth me that I have set up Saul to be king, for he is turned back from following me, and has not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried unto the Lord all night. Amen. Some of us, it repents God that he has chosen you. It grieves him that he made that mistake. Because when he lifted you up small, you became promoted small in your work. You don't have time for God. He promoted you small. He made you married. Hey, now when you are waving, it's like this. You want us to see that? It's this finger. You want us to see that you are married. And because of that, when we call you, you just have excuses. When you come to church, you are now a big woman. You were with us when you were nothing. But now God has set you up among princes. So when the ushers say, oh, please don't sit here, sit here, say, I'm not the type to be moved around like this. Hey, but when you came at first, you were very humble. Whenever Bishop Kakra spoke to you, you say, hey, the bishop spoke to me today. Now you have become so familiar. So familiar. And as someone was grieving all night, Saul was snoring all night. He didn't even know that there was a problem. Will God repent that he lifted you up? Will God repent that he gave you a blessing? Will God repent that he gave you a place in his vineyard to work? We regret it. May that not be our story. Amen, Amen some, somebody. First Samuel 15, verse 12. And when Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning, it was told Samuel, saying, Saul came to Camel, and behold, he set him up a place, and is gone about and passed on and gone down to Gilgal. Dake says that he set him up a place means he built up a monument to himself. The man who said, I'm not worthy, I'm the least, I can't, he now builds up a monument. Pride is gradual. We gradually forget where we came from. Even in politics it happens, isn't it? People forget that it's the electorate who voted them in. Some people talk, they say, I'm a self-made woman, Lady Reverend. I have worked very hard for what I have. And I'm like, wow, did you also manufacture the oxygen that God gave you? Some of us are very humble when we are married because but later, when you start to progress and to do well, you say, me, people can't tell me what to do. I mean, what's the church saying? It's very sad that I am handling cases like that. Sometimes I beg them. I say, okay, you say you are a Christian. I beg you, don't leave. We will, we will, we will sort this matter out. There's nothing that is impossible with God. You say, oh, some of them will cut you off. Some of them will change their number. And some of them will tell you, don't mention this topic again. I'm allergic to it. Don't mention it again. 
I'm allergic to this. That's what happened to Saul. He built up a monument. When you saw yourself as small, God was a blessing to you. Now, even in working with God, when you come for meetings, you think there's nothing new to learn. I always say to God, let me always remain as a normal Christian. If the church needs prayer meeting, I also need prayer meeting. If the church needs Bible study Tuesday service, I also need Tuesday service. But not that now you have reached somewhere and said, I don't go for those small, small meetings. I go for meetings where there is the move of God. Really? Every Christian, every human being needs bite sizes to grow. I once heard Sissy Winans being interviewed, and they said, many great artists and things are no longer there. What is your secret? She said that, I have always told myself I'm an ordinary Christian. I attend all Bible studies. I attend all prayer meetings. I attend everything like an ordinary Christian. Amen. Some of us have become too big to even go on evangelism. So what is this? Walking on the street and... You know, telling people about Christ and Yayebi baby. When you were small in your own eyes, God lifted you up. But when you become big and you build a monument to yourself, God will resist you because God resists the proud. First Chronicles 10, 13 to 14. So Saul died for his transgression, which he committed against the Lord even against the word of the Lord, which he kept not. And also for asking counsel of one that had a familiar spirit to inquire of it, and inquired not of the Lord. Therefore he slew him and turned the kingdom unto David, the son of Jesse. Amen. Saul died for his transgression, which he committed against the Lord. Whatever we do is against the Lord and not against any man. Even against the word of the Lord. What is your attitude towards God's word? What is your attitude? Do you tremble at his word? Or his word doesn't matter? Amen? Amen. A lot of us, we don't even know the word before we know whether we keep it. You know everything about the movie. You know Kumkumbaja. You know all the uh, characters in it and what they say. But when it comes to God's word, you don't even know before you will not even keep it. Amen. The Bible says in keeping his word, there's great reward. And Paul did not keep God's word, and so it was a transgression, and because of that, God called him home. This is what pride can do. Amen. Lady Reverend, how do we avoid pride? First of all, the Bible says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Amen? The Bible also says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. 1 Peter 5 verse 6. 1 Peter 5 verse 6. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you. Amen? It means that when you become proud, God's hand is here and you are above. So we have to come and humble ourselves so that his hand can be on top of us. Amen? And humbling yourself is DIY. You do it yourself. 
The Bible doesn't say call an angel. The Bible doesn't say fast and then it will happen for you. It says humble yourself, yourself. So humility must come from us. Nobody can do it for you. Amen? Amen. So humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you. Number two, remain small in your own eyes. Hmm. Amen? Remain small in your own eyes. First Samuel 15 verse 17. First Samuel 15 verse 17. When thou wast little in thine own eyes, wast thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel, and the Lord anointed thee king over Israel? And Samuel said, When thou wast little in thine own sight, God may lift you up, God may promote you, God may give you abundance of revelations, but you must stay small in your own eyes. Other people may see you as Lady Reverend. Other people may see you as the bishop's wife. Other people may see you as a lawyer. Other people may see you that your degrees are more than the thermometer, but you must remain little in your own sight. Because you know that it's by his grace and you know that is by his mercy. Amen, somebody. And finally, walk in love. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. Lady Reverend, what does love have to be, do with humility? Love suffers long and is kind. Love envieth not. It vaunteth not itself. It is not puffed up. Being puffed up is like Rice Krispies. When you pour it, it takes a long time for the milk to soak. It is always on top. Being puffed up is like both fruits that is being fried. You are always on top of the oil. But love is not arrogant. Love is not rude. Love does not vaunt itself. Love is not proud. It's not puffed up. Amen. Amen. That is why it's called divine love. Divine love. Sometimes you may not feel like giving your husband food. So the puffing up will come. But love, God's love, will show you the way. You see, when I look at my life, I say, sometimes people say, wow. My big sister says, wow. You are the youngest girl, but it's like, it's as if you are all of us, our grown-up person. And when I think of it, I say, oh, it's not that I'm wise or smart or anything, but I feel that apart from him, I can do nothing. So because of his word, that I say, Lord, I don't know what to do, but you said I should do this. Give me grace to do it. You turn out looking so wise, as if you always have answers, and as if you always know what to do, but what it is is, his word is a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. Love is not puffed up. I was explaining to somebody that, look, you don't have to take church members up one by one. This one saw me. She didn't smile. Then you call her, hey, this morning, have I had any beast with you? No. So, so why? Smile. What's your problem? 
And that person goes. And the other one, hey, this morning you didn't greet. What's your problem? That, I was just talking to somebody. I told her that you are solving all your problems by physical means. But if you get to the place where you can rise up above and say, she didn't smile, she didn't this, but I know better. I know better. I will walk in the things of God. You'll be okay. But because of being puffed up, say, no, if she doesn't greet me, she's ignoring me. If she ignores me, she's putting less value on me. If she puts less value on me, it means she does not respect me. Hey, come here. You've lost it. Your value is not determined by how people treat you. Your value is determined by the blood that was shed at Calvary. That made you who you are. He redeemed you with the precious blood. And not with the blood of goats and sheep. Amen. I was telling somebody this morning, I said that, as for people and how they will behave, you can't control it. But you can control your reaction to the people. Eh? Some of you, everything is you put your cloth in the sin. And, so that what? And then we even boast about our Samwinas. Why should So that what? When we are talking about the fruits of the Spirit, you are glorying in the fruits of the flesh. That's for you, you can quarrel. So that's for me. Why should Mudressing it down from head to toe. No wonder, yes, or Yamara, no, And then what happened? You dressed up, and what it is is that you are puffed up. But God will always remember you. And wherever He has to pick you from, He will pick you from there. But it starts with humility. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and He will exalt you. Sometimes a lot of offense is based on who you think you are. You see, I'm important, but they are not recognizing that fact. <laughs> and that leads to a lot of problems. But humility makes you able to, to, uh, to, to claim God's word that he will lift you up. Not other people. He will lift you up. And when God says he will lift you up, he will really lift you up. Above anything any man can do. You know, I'm so glad the Bible says that wives, submit yourselves unto your husbands as unto the Lord. If God hadn't added the as unto the Lord, it would have been a disaster. Because we need to see God so that we can humble ourselves. Do you understand? So it's not every time you can just submit. It's not easy like that. Somebody said to me, every day women submit. What about men? I said, the Bible says, submitting yourselves one to another. Before it even comes to say, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husband. I'm glad it says unto your own husband. Because we are good at submitting to other people's husbands. We are good at that. We are good at submitting to the pastor. We are good at submitting to the head of state. Somebody's husband. But our own is a problem. Do you know why? Because you have a lot of issues with your own. You share the bathroom with him, he leaves the soap, he leaves the... The president, you don't share any bathroom with him. You share financial things with him today, the money, he made a decision. You didn't like the president, you don't... The pastor, you don't have any financial dealings with him. You share the children, whether they should go, whether they should come. No, I agree, I don't agree. Well, your pastor is not in all those things. So it may be easy to submit. But your own 
It's God, and I, I look and say, hey, how does he know us like this? Your own husband is a problem. But us unto the Lord. Even the men's own is worse. To me, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Hey! It's serious, oh. And gave himself. Husbands, are you giving yourself? Are you, are you giving yourself as Christ loved the church? I came not to do the will, my own will, but to do the will of him that sent me. You've just finished hearing this message and I cannot leave you without giving you an opportunity to give your life to Jesus Christ. You want to say, Lady Reverend Adley, pray for me. I don't know whether I'll go to heaven or hell when I die. I'm not sure of where I will go or my destination. I want to make things right with God. I want to start afresh with God. I want Jesus to come into my life and be the Lord of my life. If you want to have Jesus as the Lord of your life, I just want to invite you to say this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. Please wash me in the blood of Jesus. Take my life and come inside and be the Lord of my life. Thank you for coming to die for me, Jesus. Thank you for rising from the dead so that I may have eternal life. And thank you that by this prayer, my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Jesus, come in and be Lord of my life. Amen. It was great having you today. To find out more about the CDs and DVDs advertised on today's program, or to find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Heward Mills, please visit the Vision Bookshop at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi, or meet her on Facebook at Reverend Mrs. Adelaide Heward Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.